Hey guys, and welcome back to The Biblical Woman. I'm Kat, and today we are going to be talking about a super great topic, and I am so excited for it. But before we jump into that, I wanted to share a really quick quote that I read here real recently from Matthew Henry, who I just absolutely love. And it says, death will come certainly, but maybe suddenly. And I know that that's a little bit spooky, but we are in the season of spooky with Halloween or Reformation Day coming up, whichever one you celebrate. That quote is really going to tie into what we're talking about tonight or, you know, today or in the morning, whenever you are listening to this. But our time on earth is limited and we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. And with such a short time on earth, what is our purpose? The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But how do we glorify God while we are on earth? We look around and we see the world is groaning from sin. And most Christians, we want to make a difference. We want to make an impact. But if you guys are like me, you often find yourself procrastinating. It happens. <laughs> and, you know, we say things like, oh, oh tomorrow I'll do that. I'll, I'll get around to it. Or maybe after I get myself together first, then I'll do it. But what if we never actually get that chance? And what if tomorrow doesn't actually come? Because we aren't guaranteed a tomorrow. And so tonight's topic is going to be on what does God want you to do before you die? And that is actually the title of a devotional with a very great author, Callie DeRuke. She is an award-winning author and speaker who encourages others to seek Christ with their whole heart. And her new book, What Does God Want You to Do Before You Die?, just released a couple days ago. And she is a woman who is rarely missing a sunset outside of Nashville, Tennessee, She is a hands-on mother of three boys, a wife, and she says she's a recovering Pharisee. After a 32-year profession of Christianity, she was exposed for the hypocrite that she was at the premature birth of her twin sons. And after nearly a year-long stay in the NICU with one of her twins, her rose-colored glasses were shattered, and she is dedicated to reaching out to countless women who profess Christianity, but like she did, draw near to God with only their mouths while their hearts are far from Him. And it is her goal to help bring those women back to God. So it is my pleasure to introduce Callie. Say hi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Kat. I'm thrilled to speak to you. I love what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And I have to say, after that bio, I I really, really love it. While I personally do not have any experience um, with a child in the NICU, I just, I really feel for you uh, for that experience all those years ago. You know, that is a powerful bio. And many times, it's a beautiful thing how we as authors and speakers, we want to make an impact. And I've had people reach out to me who just read that bio online and connected with me purely off of that. So 
sometimes we look for the grand, but sometimes just uh, appreciating even those little things that we do and trusting that God can use even that. So it, it is a powerful story. There's a very powerful story behind that bio. It's why I live and breathe. It's why I speak and it's why I'm here with you today. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that sometimes these stories can be very hard to share, but I'm really thankful that you have shared that with us because I know you know a little bit about my story and Whitley's. I'm just very, very thankful that you shared that with us. Well, to to go into a little bit more detail about it, Kat, um, in the year 2007, all of my expectations for motherhood, they had really, and to some degree, they shattered with my first son who was born in 2006, Elijah. But in 2007, I discovered that I was pregnant with twins and they were both boys and everything was going along pretty well. And out of nowhere at 30 weeks, my water broke unexpectedly. And that was the beginning of a journey unlike any I could have expected. People are always intrigued by the statement that I'm a recovering Pharisee. And that's really when it all began. I grew up in the church. I knew Jesus. I I professed to know Jesus rather. Uh, my, my grandmother loved Jesus and here in the South, it's what you do. And so I, I, yeah. I, I thought I did. It, at their premature birth, everything began to change and my rose colored glasses began to come off. Um, Isaiah, one of my sweet little twins at eight weeks of age, d- developed a deadly illness called necrotizing enterocolitis. And it resulted in the loss of much of his small bowel and some of his large And he went on to spend the first 324 consecutive days at two hospitals. He was at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital here in Nashville, Tennessee for seven months, his first seven months. And then at seven months of age, uh, we had um, an evening unlike any I'll ever, (laughs) I'll never forget this evening. It was a Wednesday night and the head of neonatology came to my husband and I and said, Uh, Your son is the sickest baby in the entire hospital. His liver is failing. Babies do not recover from this. Get anyone you ever want to see him and say goodbye. And that was a Wednesday night and I went to church. And what I didn't know was that my husband was at home and he'd gotten an email from a nurse practitioner who said off the record, if you tell anyone I told you this, I'll lose my entire medical career but I know of an experimental drug in the clinical trials, not FDA approved, in Boston, Massachusetts at Boston Children's Hospital. And 87 of the 89 babies, it has completely reversed their liver failure. And she said, I couldn't wow. live with myself if I didn't tell you this. So the next morning, my husband and I went to the, to the head of neonatology. We didn't tell him how we discovered the information, but that we had. And he said, as a clinician, do I have any hope in this drug? Absolutely not. But as a father, would I do what you're about to do? Absolutely. So one week later, our our son, who, if I could give you a picture of what our life was like then, at the point we were told Isaiah was in liver failure, he and his twin brother had already had another operation where 
feeding tube was inserted. So my husband and I had one baby dying in the NICU that we had been told. We had his twin brother at home with special needs who we were feeding through a feeding tube. And then we had a two-year-old. And this this was where we were. And, and not only that, he had already been in the NICU for, for seven months and his brother for about two and a half months. So needless to say, for four additional months, our sweet little Isaiah was at Boston Children's Hospital and our whole life and world was uprooted. Uh, but to this day, our precious son has no signs of liver failure He has had 13 operations, and he is a walking, talking miracle. I mean, we were even told on multiple occasions that he would be significantly brain damaged, and he is is the sweetest, smartest thing and, and not at all impaired in that way. That is awesome, and God answers prayers, and your story is just a testament to that, and I could not imagine going through any of that. My heart breaks for you that you had to go through that. Um, but I am so encouraged to see how powerful and how loving our God is. That's the beauty of this story, because what I just shared with you was actually the easy part to share. And so many people say, how is that possible, Callie? But the reality is, I wish that my story ended there. I wish that we had brought this beautiful miracle baby home at child, actually. He was almost a year old the first night he spent in his home. I wish that I could say that's where it ended and that we just kind of went on to live happily ever after. But that's not what happened. Our son was highly special needs. He came home with a central line, a feeding tube, a home health nurse. We had about a five-year period of rehabilitation where it took him years to learn to walk and talk and eat by mouth. And during this season, that's when God began to expose my heart. Little by little, I was Mm -hmm. growing more angry, more bitter, because I grew up in the church where it was very Um, And and to not be disrespectful for the understanding and the truth that I gained, I'm eternally grateful for that. But there was also some, some things that really I struggled with. And so I, and maybe it was my interpretation, but I sort of understood this one plus two equal three formula spiritually. And that if I prayed and that if I believed that I would receive. And if something went wrong in that formula, it was on me. And that sort of was my understanding. And so all along the way, I didn't understand why I was going through this. I didn't understand. I, I love the Lord all my life. You know, why is this happening? And so the anger and the bitterness and the, the resentment began to grow. And the reality of caring for two special needs babies, one highly special needs, and a two-year-old. My husband had went back to work. That's honestly when things really went downhill for me, and I began to struggle, and I began to say things I never thought I would say, do things I never thought I would do. I've never dealt with anger, but I was angry. I was so 
I was just going through emotions I did not even understand. I had been diagnosed by three different doctors with PTSD and, you know, Mm -hmm. moms of special needs children and moms and dads of children who were hospitalized for a prolonged period of time. They are silently suffering from PTSD. And and I was, but I did not, I wanted to put on the face and continue the facade that everything was okay because I'm Callie and um, but inside it, it was, things were just not okay. So that's, that's when God began to really pull back the layers and expose my heart for what it was. Oh, absolutely. And in those moments when we are suffering, and I know my trial is very, very different from yours, but in those moments of suffering, we ask why, you know, why us, why is this happening? And I think that that is normal for us to ask those types of questions. And as we're going through those moments, we don't always see God's sovereignty in our suffering. We might never get our answer to our why question on this side of eternity, but we can rest assured knowing that God had a reason and a purpose for every single event in our life, whether that event was good or bad. Your story is so amazing, and you brought up so many good points that I wish we had time to just really dive into and talk about, especially with special needs parenting. I think that that is, I'm glad to see more and more uh, resources coming out for Christian moms and dads about this. And that's something I would love to talk about on the show sometime. But yeah, that's that's an amazing testimony. And thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Um, you, you're right that the, the issue of suffering is a very important topic. And it was one that um, I had to really learn and grow in. And God has been so faithful to show me such truth because in the midst of all of that, there came a day when I fell on my face at 32 years of age and and I really, truly met Jesus Christ. And it's been a growth process these past nine years of God exposing my heart and showing me who he really is in his word and me laying down my presuppositions and things, uh, my presumptions. And, and I'm learning who he really is and giving him my whole heart. Absolutely. And your your book, What Does God Want You to Do Before You Die?, that is such a, a deep title, and it really makes you stop and think about your life and what he does want you to accomplish before we die, because we do have such a short amount of time here. What inspired you to write this book? Well, this book came somewhat out of nowhere. However, I took the time in laying the foundation of my testimony with you because it was really that experience that introduced me to life's fragility in such a profound way. In 2019, I had the privilege of attending a speech at Belmont University, just north of, uh, excuse me, just, just, I live just north of Nashville, but that's in Nashville. And it was a secular speech. I was doing some freelance work and had the opportunity to overhear this speech. 
And in the speech, the gentleman was asking the question, what do you want to do before you die? And everyone was so inspired and it was wonderful and it was absolutely encouraging. And people were raising their hands and calling out things they had done, things they wanted to do. But Kat, every time I heard the speaker ask the audience, what do you want to do before you die? The voice of the Holy Spirit within my heart was asking me a much more profound question. And it was, what do I want you to do before you die? And I'm so grateful to know the voice of the Good Shepherd. His sheep know his voice. And I immediately just jotted that down in my heart. And every time the speaker would go on to say that, it was as if I could just sense, Callie, what do I want you to do before you die? And so it was such a profound question in my own heart. And I knew, yes, Lord, this is the question that we should be asking. What do you want us to do before you die? And I believe that all that I experienced with my son made that question just instantly (laughs) trigger in my heart of how profound it really is. I completely agree. I think as Christians, we've all asked at some point, you know, what does God want us to do? What is his will for my life? What is his purpose for my life? And when we look at a lot of theological documents, um, especially the ones that I talked about earlier, the Westminster, our chief end is to glorify God. But you know, how do we do that? And I think that your book is going to answer that. We glorify God by serving Him and using our gifts and talents that He has given us. But what can you share with us about your book? This book is designed for people of all ages. In fact, there's a chapter that says, never too early never too late. And I really want people to, number one, understand that we will stand before God. And I know Mm -hmm. that as Christians, we long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want to stand before him and know that I've given him my whole heart, all the faculties with which he has gifted me. And as you said in the beginning, we are not promised tomorrow. So what are we doing right here, right now? And, you know, sometimes we look for the grand in that, but there was a time when caring for my special needs baby, that was God's will for me. That was exactly what I was supposed to be doing. So whether, whether we're elbow deep in dirty diapers as mothers or washing the dishes or loving our husbands or uh, or whether we're standing on a stage as a speaker delivering uh, words that can impact hearts, they're equally as important. And I believe that's what this book will remind people to begin to ask themselves some tough questions. I completely agree with that. I think that you highlighted a really important point in that God calls us all to uh, serve him to ministry in different ways. There's no like one size fits all Christian when it comes to how we serve God. 
because you're right, it could be the mom, it could be the speaker, it could be the pastor, but God calls us all in different ways. And I think that that is an amazing point that you made. So why do you think that this book is so important for today, given everything that's going on in the world right now? Oh, what a mercy of God that He called me to write this book. It was over a year ago that I signed the contract. So the book was written even prior to that. So as you can imagine, I had no idea what 2020 was going to look like. But in His grace and His sovereignty, He did. So this is a topic of great importance. And it is very timely because the topic of a potential death, perhaps more sudden than than we would have thought prior to this pandemic. Uh, while <laughs> the death rate is uh, debatable, and that's not what we're here to discuss. The bottom line is this is just another uh, ev- this is just another evidence that anything can come in a moment. Our lives can change, whether a car accident or a phone call out of nowhere, life as we know it can change in a moment. Uh, And this is just a a modern example of that. Uh, But it is on the hearts and minds of individuals right now. So I'm grateful that uh, this has come out for such a time as this. And not only death just in and of itself, but I think that all that is happening in our nation right now is forcing us as Christians to really examine what are we doing? Are we making an impact? What is it that, that there's a question that I love and I have to quote my favorite author, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, uh, in essence, uh, this was many, many years ago, but he asked the question, you know, what is my duty in this present crisis? And wow, when I read one of his sermons recently this year, that question resonated in my heart. So that's a question I've been asking myself. What is my duty in this present crisis? And while Christians may not be posing that exact question, I believe in our hearts, it's something we're asking and we need to ask. I agree. I think that when we are seeking after God, when we are diving into the scriptures and into prayer, that is something that we are asking ourselves internally, even if we never ask it out loud. We are asking that. And I think that that is a very healthy question to ask because we desire to show love for our Savior and we desire to serve Him. I think that this question that you have proposed to your readers is just a reflection of a healthy spiritual heart. But with all of that being said, what can readers expect to take away from this book as they're reading it? So many that have read this book have reached out to me and said, Callie, this was a game changer. This this was life changing because it changed their perspective on death. And so I want readers to know that we can live in light of eternity, and we should. And we can discuss death, and we should. And when we live with the understanding that tomorrow is not guaranteed, it's not a sad thing. In fact, it's just the opposite because it fuels our today. If you wake up and you know that today may be all that you have, 
oh my, how much more we will love our children, how much stronger we will hug them and respect our husbands and love them and support them and call the person who maybe we've needed to call for a long time and reach out to the neighbor who's uh, who's ill or who's suffering. It fuels what we do now. And I really want people to know that they are valuable and they have a purpose and it is time to get to it. Absolutely. And like you said, every person was specially created by God in his image. And he does have a special plan and purpose for each of our lives. Asking that question and realizing like there might not be a tomorrow that does motivate us to serve him faithfully, to share the gospel and to just glorify him in every single thing that we do. It does. Oh, you know, Kat, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how one of the other things I hope readers really take away from this book is sometimes we have a habit or a tendency as Christians to say, well, all I can do is pray. You know, if we understood the privilege and the power that we get the opportunity to do in prayer, to return God's word back to him, which does not return void. Uh, That is perhaps the greatest thing we will ever do. So, you know, there may be some individuals who are, maybe their health is such that they can't get out and go and do, and they feel they've lost their value as a result. Uh, You know, God's word says that if we abide in him and he in us, we can ask him and he hears us. And oh my, it just, I think we sometimes shortchange the beauty of prayer. So I want to encourage that if that's all we can do, there is no better place than to be in our prayer closet. Absolutely. And prayer, when I think about it, it's just, it's so humbling that as men and women created from the dirt and yet the God of the universe who is infinitely more beautiful and powerful than we could ever imagine does listen to us and he does hear us. Prayer is just amazing, like you said. And for me, I have always found it very humbling when I consider who I am and who God is. But I love that point that you brought up. I absolutely love it. Where can our listeners get a copy of your book and how can they connect with you? Oh, I would absolutely love if they would. They can get the book at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. It's available at walmart.com, Books A Million. And those are the, the, the best outlets to purchase the book. And um, if they'd like to connect with me as an author, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Callie Daruk, and that's C-A-L-L-I-E-D-A-R-U-K. And my website is CallieDaruk.com. Thank you so much for just being on the show. And if you guys would, go ahead and support Callie, get a copy of her book, connect with her online. And before we close out, is there any... uh, final thoughts or words that you would like to share with us? I'd like to thank you, Kat, for giving me this opportunity. You know, I consider 
words to be very important. Um, I have long said words matter. And so I consider it a privilege to get the opportunity to speak anything that would uh, draw readers to develop a closeness and a walk with Christ, whereby they give them their whole hearts. And I pray that words that I have spoken and words that perhaps even in this book um, would draw you to do just that. Because as you said, Kat, the creator of the universe, who is infinitely wiser than me uh, and, and us, he longs to be close to you. And we desperately need him in these days. So I would just encourage you today, wherever you are, knowing that tomorrow is not guaranteed, to please draw near him with your whole heart. And if you don't know how to do that, reach out to me. That's exactly why I write. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being on the show, for just being vulnerable and sharing your story of loss uh, with us because it's not always easy to talk about, but thank you for sharing that and for being so open and encouraging with it and for following God's direction to write this book. I think that it is going to help a lot of people answer that question that they have been asking. Thank you, Kat. It's been an honor. Another special thanks to Callie for coming onto the show and for talking with us about her experiences with suffering and for showing us to dive into scripture, to be in prayer and being open to whatever ministry or serving opportunity that God has called us to and to just pursue whatever that is because it is going to be different for each and every individual. But each task and each ministry opportunity we are given is just as important as someone else's. And I hope that this episode was encouraging to you guys. I know it was very encouraging for me as we were recording. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. We're going to be talking about Christian singleness. And we're almost done with season one. We have two episodes left, and then we are diving into season two. Starting off strong, we're going to be talking about God's sovereignty. We're going to be talking about Christian beauty, and we're going to be talking about Christian sexuality, too. So definitely stay tuned for season two. I'm so excited, and Nicole Byram will be joining us for those. Yeah, we got a lot of great things coming, so make sure you stay tuned. And if you're looking for something to read in the meantime, go ahead and head over to simplydevoted.net. We have so many free blogs available on just numerous different topics, dating, marriage, theology, everything. So if you're looking for something to read, go ahead and check those out and follow us on social media. We are now on Instagram and Pinterest as well as Facebook. So definitely be sure to follow us on all of those. We post different things on each platform to try to offer as much content as possible. Thank you for your continued support and stay tuned till next time.